Can you see me? Can you hear me? Louder. Okay, boggy, louder. You know, before I came in here, my, my voice was, you know, intact. But you know, I, I don't know about you. Singing, worshiping God, really connects my heart to His heart. And you know, when you sing songs of praise and worship, you know, it's Christmas and we sing some Christmas tunes, but we also don't forget the fact that Jesus was born so that He could die for the penalty of our sins. I can just go on singing and singing and singing because the Word of God says this, sing and make music where? You don't read your Bibles. <laughs> sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. You see, music has a way of bypassing your mind. Try it. Bogs, can you make an adjustment a little bit? I, I think I'm, I feel like I'm in a cave. Music has the, the power to bypass the mind. It speaks directly to the heart. So I don't know about you, how you communicate, how you commune with God. I do it you know, through singing and just being in His presence and meditating on what He has done and He continues to do for us. Now, some very important announcements. First of all, let me welcome those of you who are worshiping us with us for the first time. We want to thank you for spending your Sunday with us. Uh, Bogs, can you turn off the, I think this is the monitors or something. Can you turn them off? Uh, it's going back. Sorry. I am old, but my ears are very sharp. What did you say? Sorry. We want, we want to welcome those of you who are here worshiping with us for the first time. It's our Christmas worship celebration. So we're, after this, uh, our message this morning, we're going to break for lunch. And then we're going to come back here and just enjoy and make fun of ourselves and laugh at ourselves to celebrate the goodness of God in our lives. Now, I know that the 25th falls on a Sunday. And January the 1st also falls on a Sunday. So, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to change the service time a bit. Because I know that you're going to be, you know, celebrating over time, over eat, over whatever. So, we're going to give you an additional hour. So, December 25th and January 1st, wow, it's already 2017 it was not too long ago that everybody was talking about Y2K, Y2K. You remember? Your computer will crash. Y2K, Y2K. Now it's already 2017. Imagine how time flies. The reality of the Word of God that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. So December 25, January 1st, our worship time will be 10.30. Right? If you want to come at 9.30, fine. You can, you know, clean the bathroom, set the, the chairs, everything. Most of what our brother Bobby Cedro is doing. We also want to greet uh, Fred Evaristo. He's celebrating his birthday. 
<coughs> on the 22nd. And this coming week, we have uh, three couples celebrating their wedding anniversaries. So we'd like to greet happy anniversary to Stan and Nancy. I will give you one guess who that loud voice is. Okay, you just one guess. And it's not Stan or Nancy. It is their offspring. Our Pastor Reggie and our Sister Mylene Hernandez. Oh, yeah. On the 21st. And uh, Brother Ray and our Sister Tess Mejerano on the 23rd. Kaya pala nakapula kayo. In love. There you go. Praise God. So are you are you all done with your shopping? Not yet. Me, I'm all done, believe it or not. You know why? I don't shop. So I'm done. I have nothing to worry about. Now of course, uh, it's already December 18 and next week is already Christmas. So on behalf of myself, my family in CCF Los Angeles, I want to greet everyone here a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Now, we always celebrate Christmas, right? Many times we celebrate it without really knowing what the origin of Christmas is all about. Now, the origin of Christmas really comes from a pagan background. <gasps> huh? Yes. It comes from a pagan background. But one of the most respected pastors, he said, whatever it is, if it allows me to glorify God, then I will celebrate with it. December 25. Was Jesus Christ really born on December 25? Answer, no. How can the shepherds be out in the field? Alright? In the dead and harsh winter of the Middle East. Impossible. So Jesus Christ was not really born on December 25th. But because the whole world celebrates December 25 as the birth of Jesus Christ, we celebrate with them. Because we want to use that as an opportunity to talk about Christ. What is Christmas all about anyway? It's about Christ. It's not about shopping. It's not about gifts. It's about Christ. But the world today chooses to remove Christ from Christmas. You can't even greet people anymore in the office. Sometimes you can't even greet them Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Why? I have to be politically correct. Well, I want to be politically incorrect. Merry Christmas, everyone. And God bless you. Because I'm celebrating the birth of Messiah. Now, let me share with you some trivia. A number of years ago, Peter Stoner and Robert Newman wrote a book entitled Science Speaks. The book was based on the science of probability and quotes for by the American Science Scientific Affiliation. Am I cutting off? Okay. Old school. 
Alright. Now mind you, these two guys put together some data. And they want to establish the probability of certain prophecies, most especially regarding to Jesus Christ. Okay, so here are some trivia. It set out the odds. The odds of any one man in all of history for fulfilling even only eight. Okay, even only eight of the 60 major prophecies and 270 ramifications fulfilled by the life of Christ. The probability that Jesus of Nazareth could have fulfilled even only eight of such prophecies would be one raised to the 17th power. So how does that look? Like that. I don't even know what to call that. I, I stopped counting at billion. I don't know. There, thousand, million, billion, quintillion. I don't know. Cotillion. Okay, I don't know. But what's the point? There can be no other person in history who will be able to fulfill these prophecies. Except the Lord Jesus Christ. So my message for us this morning, because of all of these ads, and all of the trappings of Christmas, and all the background, the pagan background, and all that stuff, my thesis this morning is to ask you, when did the Christmas story begin? Is that a good question to ask? When did the Christian story begin? And I have entitled my message for us this morning as Back to the Future. Have you watched that movie? Back to the Future. So we're going back to the future. Where and when did the Christmas story begin? Before we continue, let's offer a word of prayer to the Lord that He might speak to us. God Almighty, we just want to thank You that we have the freedom to study Your Word. And in the process of our study, Lord, allow us understanding, but most of all, allow us obedience to whatever it is You want us to obey. And in the preaching of Your Word, Lord God, may You alone be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Back to the future. When and where did the Christmas story begin? So we go back. We go back all the way to the very first book of the Bible. What? Christmas? In Genesis? In Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2 we read, that God created everything. That God created man in His image. And He told Adam and Eve, From every tree of the garden you may eat, but of that one tree you may not eat. For eating of it you will surely die. What did Adam and Eve do? They disobeyed. They ate of the forbidden tree. And God said, If you eat of that tree you will die. 
death means separation. Eventually, God drove the man and the woman out of the garden because God is holy. And the disobedience, the sin that came into the world carried with it certain consequences. To the serpent, he shall be feared among all the livestock. He shall crawl on his belly all the days of his life. And then it said, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. And you will strike his heel. Despite man's disobedience to God and man's sinning against God, God still promised salvation. He said there will be enmity between man and there will be enmity between the serpent. And eventually one day will come when the woman will bring forth an offspring. And this offspring is a male. He said, He, He will crush your head, but you will strike His heel. Despite man's disobedience, despite the holiness of God, sin entered the world. And God could have simply said, that's it. But God set forth the Christmas story, if you will. He set it forth in motion when He said, The seed of the woman, He will crush your head, but you will strike His heel. Why would a holy God desire to save people who would disobey Him? God provided the whole Garden of Eden at the disposal of Adam and Eve. Because of sin, the woman would have pain in childbirth. Because of sin, the man would now have to work the ground and harvest through thorns and thistles. God said, don't eat. But what did man do? He disobeyed. So it's very easy like you and I. We can just write off these people. I provide for you. You choose to go against my desires for you. Fine. I'll just look for somebody else. But not so with God. Despite the disobedience of Adam and Eve, despite their sin, God still promised salvation. There would be a coming Messiah born of the woman. Seed of the woman, he will crush the serpent's head. He will defeat the devil. But in the process of that, the devil will strike his heel. Why would God do that? Why? Because he said in Jeremiah 31 verse 3, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. You see, God's love for man is not like man's love for man or even for God. 
God's love towards man is unconditional. So that even if man had sinned against God, God still loves them. And God still provides for a solution to the sin of mankind. Adam and Eve were deserving of the penalty of death. Dying you will surely die, God said, if they partook of that fruit. And they, they eventually did die. Because death is separation. Man and woman became mortal. But aside from that, they also died spiritually. Because God had to put them out from the garden. God being holy could not tolerate sin and had to put them out. And as a matter of fact, God placed a cherubim to guard the way to the tree of life. Why? So that God would prevent them from going back and continuing to disobey even more. Why? Because I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I only have three points this morning. Aren't you glad I only have three points? First point is God is for us. God has always been for us. I'm sorry, I'm musically inclined. So these are one of my favorite uh, worship leaders, Don Moen. Okay? First point, God is for us. You may think that God is against you. That's a lie of the devil. God is for you. And He has loved you with an everlasting love. And my friends, I want to let you know that there is power in God's being on your side. Because Paul writes in Romans 8.31, What shall we say then? What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on your side, are you victorious or not? Are you on the winning team or not? If God is for us, who and what can be against us? It is just up to you and to me to appropriate the victory that God has given for us. Why? God is on my side. Adam and Eve chose to disobey. Most of us choose to disobey God. But God is for us. And how do I know? What assurance do I have that God is on my side? That God is for me? Well, verse 32 says, He, God the Father, who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? God had already proven that He is for you, that He is for me. How? When He sent His one and only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself up for you and for me. How can we ever doubt that God is on our side? How can we ever doubt that God is for us? Christmas reminds us that God is for us. 
He is not against us. God hates the sin that we do. But He loves us so much that He would give His one and only begotten Son for us. God is for us. And if, it's God, if God is for us, who can be against us? The Christmas story continues on. From Genesis, we move to the book of Micah. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 and 7. But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Bethlehem was from one of the smallest clans of the tribe of Jacob. How many tribes were there? Twelve. And of the lowest tribe, from the city of David, the city of Bethlehem, the prophecy that one to the ten, seventeen power prophecy, that from the little town of Bethlehem, and we sing that, don't we? Oh, little town of Bethlehem. From that little obscure town where no prophet is supposed to come from, the prophecy says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, out of you will come the one who will be ruler of Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Now you and I have been studying the book of Exodus, right? Yes? God promised Abraham that his people will grow in so much numbers, but they will be enslaved. Yes? And Exodus is the exit from the slavery in Egypt, right? Look at what verse 7 says. The remnant of Jacob will be in the midst of many peoples like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass which do not wait for anyone or depend on man. Why did God allow the Israelites to escape Egypt? Why? Because He had promised that Messiah would come. And He had to preserve the remnant of Jacob so that His plan of salvation would push through. Why? Because God is for us. God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? He preserved the Israelites because He promised that from the seed of the woman will come Messiah, the Savior of the world. Isaiah speaks of yet another prophecy. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call Him Emmanuel. The virgin will conceive. How can that be? For there to be an offspring, there must be physical relations between a husband and his wife so that there would be conception, so that there could be birth. 
But the prophecy was that the virgin will conceive and give birth to to what? A boy? A girl? A son. The seed of the woman, he will crush your head, but you will strike his heel. It cannot be anyone else except a man. It cannot be from any other place except from Bethlehem. It cannot occur other than a virgin birth would bring forth a child, a boy. And it even already tells us what he will be called. He will be called Emmanuel. That's why in the genealogy of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1 it reads, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It cannot be that the seed of man would have anything to do with the conception of Mary. Because Mary conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible tells us the seed of the woman, not the seed of the man. For there was no male, no human male who was part of the process of conception. God is for us. And when the woman, the virgin, conceived and gave birth to a son, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is for us. And when Jesus Christ was born, God became man. You shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In the book of Luke it says, The angel said to her, speaking to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you shall call him Jesus. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. The angel answered. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So that the Holy One to be born. Will be called Son of God. What was the prophecy in Micah? Bethlehem. What was the prophecy in Isaiah? A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. The angel appeared unto Mary and she said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. He said, How can this be? Since I am a virgin. He said, The Lord will come upon you. So Mary Conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. When Joseph found out that Mary, to whom he was betrothed, basically in their culture, when you're engaged, you're already married, okay? When Joseph found out 
that Mary was with child. Joseph, being a righteous man, thought to himself, I will divorce her. I will divorce her. I have not had relations with Mary, and I find out she is with child. I am within my rights to divorce her. But the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph and explained what was going on. And Joseph, being a righteous man, did not put Mary out. But the Bible tells us that he did not have any sexual relations with his wife Mary until after the birth of Jesus Christ. The seed of the woman, not the seed of the man, because Mary conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, So the Holy One to be born will be called, what? The Son of God. Now, they were supposed, Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem, right? So how could it be that they would have to go back to Bethlehem? Why? Well, Luke chapter 2 verse 4 says this, Joseph, the husband of Mary, went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. Why? Because he belonged to the house and line of David. Not only did Mary belong to the line of David, Joseph also belonged to the line of David. And because Rome had issued a decree that the census of all their kingdom shall be taken for the purposes of taxation, you had to go back to your hometown to register. And where would Joseph and Mary have to go back to in order to register for the tax? He had to go back to his hometown. And where is his hometown? Bethlehem. Coincidence? It's not a coincidence. God had already planned this back in Genesis, back in Micah, back in Isaiah. He had planned this because God is for us. And at the birth of Jesus Christ, God is with us. And he announced in Luke chapter 2, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. You know, when you don't know things, you get scared, right? They got scared. They got terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Notice. This news is so unique. This news will be of great joy for all the people. I always use this illustration. If you work for a company and they decide to give a bonus, is that cause for rejoicing, happiness? Yes. But what if only the sales team gets a bonus? 
Will you still be happy if you do not belong to the sales team? Oh, you're only accounting, so you don't get the bonus. Because you know, you just record all the sales. The people who really brought in the sales and made the company really profitable was the sales people. So they're going to get the bonus. Are you going to be happy? No. But this news, according to Luke chapter 2, this news is going to be of great joy for all the people. And what is that news? Today, in the town of David. And what is the town of David? Bethlehem. How do we know? Prophesied already in Micah. From the house and the town of David, who has been born? A Savior. A Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. When the shepherds heard this, they immediately went to look for the sign. What did the angels say? Was it true? And when they came, what did they find? They found a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And why was Jesus Christ, why was Messiah, why was God with us born in a manger? Because of the tax. Everybody had to go home and to register for the tax and all the hotels and the motels and the Airbnb, they were all full. So where? King of kings, Lord of lords, was born in a manger. And who were the first to see this miracle, if you will? Lowly shepherds. The shepherds, you know, people didn't want to interact with shepherds. Why? If you spend time with sheep, you will smell like sheep. You like to sit beside somebody right here in CCF who smells like sheep? Yes. Okay, I'll talk to you later. I know a doctor. You don't want us. But who? To whom was this announced? To lowly shepherds. And then after that, after they, after they encountered this truth, you see the angel told them, right? And they saw it for themselves. What did they do? They started to go around and tell other people about what they had witnessed. They were in effect the first evangelists. I have seen a boy, a little infant wrapped in a manger. This was what the angel told us about and I'm telling you now. Christmas is really about God for us and God being with us and God orchestrated everything since Genesis chapter 3 and if you will, even before the foundations of the world that Messiah would come to provide salvation for you and for me. God placed all things 
in its right place. So just at the right time, Jesus would be born. God for us, now becoming God with us. Galatians chapter 4, 4 to 5 reads, But when the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman. You see, in their culture, you do things based on the man. And Val begot so-and-so who begot so-and-so. And Jean begot so-and-so. And Ferdi, oh, sorry, Jean, Ferdi pala. Ferdi begot so-and-so. The genealogy is based on the man. But if you read your Bible, when it comes to the genealogy of Jesus in through the line of Joseph, it said, Joseph, the husband of Mary. It does not say Joseph, the father of Jesus. It says, Joseph, the husband of Mary. Why? Mary did not conceive through Joseph. Mary conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit. And why did this all come into place? Because when the time set had fully come, everything had to be at the right place. Why during this time? Because Rome was in control of the known world. Pax Romana. Rome decreed there will be a tax. Everyone had to go back to his own town to register. So Joseph and Mary had to go back to Bethlehem. Why? God said, Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Born of a woman, born under the law. Why? So that we, we, might receive adoption to sonship. You and I. God provided this so that you and I could be adopted to sonship. So that you and I could have relationship with God, broken by the sin that came into the world through Adam and Eve's disobedience. Broken because you and I are all sinners according to the Bible, when it says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Why? Because the wages of sin is death, but God's free gift is eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? So that you and I could be adopted as sons and daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It wasn't by accident, my friend. Christmas story did not start at the birth of Jesus Christ. God had already promised it in the book of Genesis. And it's all just being fulfilled. Why? Because God is for us. And so that God could prove that God is with us, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And I only have three points, right? What is my third point? My third point is that God should be in us. Yes, God is for us. Yes, God is with us. But until we come to the point that God take residence in our lives, that we become temples of the Holy Spirit of God, all of this news is nothing. You see, Jesus Christ said, 
And I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Jesus Christ only spent 33 years on this planet, on this earth. But He said He had to go back to the Father so that the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, could come. And the difference being is this, that the Holy Spirit would come to be with us forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. How? Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. God for us. God with us. God in us. And how can God take residence in our lives? How can we claim that God is in us? That is the good news. Because in 1 John chapter 5, it reads, I know some of you from Chino, memory verse, you remember? Yes? If I turn this off, can you recite? Okay, recite. No, I'm not going to give you that. Okay. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. Why? For the testimony of God is this. What? That He has testified concerning His Son. So what's the story all about? What's the testimony all about? The testimony is about God's Son. And who is giving this testimony? God Himself. Alright? Now look at the warning. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. In other translations, it says, in his heart. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar. Why? You don't believe the testimony of God. Has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. Okay? And the testimony is this. That God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. What good is it to know that God is for us? What good is it to know that God is with us if God is not in us? If God is not in us, my friends, my brothers and sisters, the Bible says, He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Yes, God is for us. Yes, God is with us. But is God in us? 
That is the question that each of us must individually ask. God does not come in us. Well, because my parents are Christian, therefore I'm also a Christian. God does not come in us and dwell in us because I belong to CCF. God is not in us because I attend Bible studies. God is not in us because I'm a D-group leader. All of those are good. We should go to church. We should read our Bibles. We should pray. We should become part of a small group. But my friends, it does not necessarily mean that God is in us. You and I must personally invite Him to come in to our lives. I believe and I accept Jesus Christ and the promise of Scripture to me is if I accept this testimony, I have this testimony within myself and he who has the Son has life, but he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Friends, Christmas is about Christ. Christmas is about God for us. Christmas is about God with us. Christmas is about God in us. And I challenge you, I implore you, I beg you, come face to face with God. And acknowledge your need for a Savior. And invite Jesus to come into your life. What did you do with my son? God may ask you when you are face to face with him. What will your answer be? If you say, God is in me, then welcome. But if you say, I have never placed my faith in Jesus Christ, how can you claim to have eternal life? God is already assuring you in verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. In Tagalog, pardon me, my guest, Gusto mong makasiguro o gusto mong sigurado? Maybe or certainly. If you want to be certain, I submit to you, you must personally invite Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, God in us. And the promise of God to you is this. Among many, in Romans chapter 8, 38 and 39, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The issue is, is Christ in you? 
You cannot claim this promise if Christ is not in you. Why? It says there, the love of God that is in Christ. So for you and I to really experience this love, really experience and claim this promise, Christ must be born in you. And in the process, you will be born again. Not a religion, but you will be adopted into sonship. And the fullness of time came. Born of a woman, born under the law, so that you might be adopted as sons. And not only that, we know this in Hebrews 13 verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Why? Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You can be rich today and applying with our office for food stamps tomorrow. You can have all good relationships today and tomorrow you will be alone. Life can be really good today and tomorrow you never know. But the promise of God to you this morning if you have Jesus Christ is this. He said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That's why we read in Scripture that Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Back to the future. We have gone back to the first book of the Bible so that we can know where and what our future brings. If Jesus Christ is in you, you have a glorious future awaiting you. If Jesus Christ is not in you, and God decides that today is your last, then you also have a future. But your future is bleak. It's really up to you. Whether you believe in the promise of God or you believe in yourself. Do you want to trust your future? Do you want to entrust your future to Jesus Christ? Or shall we say you'd rather roll the dice? It's really up to you. But may I encourage you from what we've shared with all of you this morning. Trust God. Trust Jesus. Because God is for us. And through the birth of Jesus Christ, God is with us. And the only thing that we need to do is make sure that God is in us. Let's pray. God Almighty, you have promised us salvation since eternity past, especially, Lord, as we have in the Bible in the very, very first book in Genesis. And you have orchestrated the events and epochs and times to the point 
that you would set everything in place and Jesus would come into this world God with us and I pray Lord for there might be people here this morning considering God to be in them will you speak to all of us Lord God to search our hearts if God is really in us. And if there is any doubt, maybe decisions are being made even as I speak. All you need to do, my friend, for God to be in you, is to open the door of your heart. Admit you are a sinner. Tell God you want to repent of your sin. Acknowledge Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation and turn over your life to Him. Maybe all you can say at this time is, Lord, will you save me? Trust God. Maybe you want to pray something like this, Lord Jesus. I admit that I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. I need your help to turn away from my sin. And I acknowledge that only you died on the cross to pay for all of my sins. In humility, I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come into my life as my Savior and Lord. I turn over control of my life to you, Lord, and ask for the help and empowerment of your Holy Spirit to make me the kind of new Christian that you want me to be. Change me from the inside out and allow me to share this experience that I have of being born again with my loved ones, with my friends, and with my family. God, there might be some people here who are struggling with living a victorious Christian life. Would you remind us, O oh God, that you are for us, that you are with us, and that since you are in us, you will help us. Allow us, Lord, the humility to ask for help from you or even from our brothers and sisters in this fellowship because we desire only one thing, Lord, to live more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ in whose name we pray all of these things. Amen. Christmas is God for us, God with us, and God in us. Merry Christmas, everyone. God bless us all. Here in CCF, we don't pass the offering plate. We do have an offering box at the back. If you would like to drop or give your tithes and offerings, just put them in an envelope, drop them in there. Now, what's going to happen? Okay, don't go because we have lunch. And after lunch, we have a time of uh, party. Okay, so we're going to dismiss for lunch. Do we have the lunch ready downstairs? Hello? Yes? Lunch is ready? Okay. So we're going to dismiss for lunch.
And maybe give or take about an hour, we'll come back here and enjoy the rest of our afternoon. Is that okay? Let's pray for the food so that we don't forget. God, we just want to pray also for the food. We pray that you will bless it for our body's use and that you will allow us a good time of fellowship later on. We give you thanks and praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're dismissed for now.